0: Welcome to the 501 Companion Podcast. If it sounds like I'm out of practice, it's because I am. The 501 Podcast is an educational and news podcast slash vodcast for 501c3 charitable organizations that want to create better content, optimize their technology, and improve their marketing to better serve their customers. This is episode 28, and we're recording on May 6th. And uh, yeah, I sound a little bit off because I'm on vacation. In fact, that'll be one of the topics that we talk about. But first, let me tell you who we are. My name is Buddy Sclera. I'm the Chief Content Officer and the host of the 501 Companion Podcast. My career has been focused on digital marketing, social media, and emerging technologies like component content systems and NFTs. I'm also a professional writer working and teaching the craft and business of making comics. I'm joined by Sandy Minuti, the Chief Operating Officer of Family Promise. She's a versatile nonprofit executive with 20 plus years of extensive experience in PR, marketing, fundraising, and strategic planning. She's deeply committed to advancing a vibrant and healthy philanthropic marketplace in which charities have the necessary skills and resources to solve our community's most pressing issues. Sandy, welcome back to the show after both of us have been on some uh, some sort of vacation.
1: Yeah, thank you. Glad to be back.
0: You know, um, you know, I, I I think what I'd like to do in this episode with you is, you know, talk about the reflections that we've had and observations of the guests that you've brought in for us to talk with. I think it has changed the texture of the show dive a little bit into uh, our uh, vacation and how it helps us and then uh do a quick reveal with you to show you where our new branding is going how does that sound
1: sounds perfect
0: all right so you know when you joined it was the perfect time we had just completed season one it was uh matt nick me interviewing other heads of charities and we were just working our way along the way and then we brought in uh, a true expert, and that was you. And you have this massive network. And one of the things that immediately changed in the show was this level of familiarity with the real challenges of charities. Um, also, the one thing that I also observed, and then I'll and then I'll pause for a minute to get your reflection, is uh, the serendipitous nature of people get, getting into this line of work. That is, nobody majored in this in college they sort of found it as a calling and as did you and i just thought like wow what a what an interesting part of the background of this uh important line of work so i'll pause for a minute just to get your reflections on the first couple of episodes that you uh you helped co-host
1: yeah i totally agree and it's been great um getting to spend time with you again and also with some of my former peers and co-workers, bringing them onto the program and just spending time talking about something that I truly am passionate about, about making nonprofits as great as they can be, because really, they're the ones out there solving the most pressing problems in our community. I mean, I know that's in my bio, but I really believe that. Um, and anything that we can all do to contribute to the sector to make it better, just enables our communities to be better and better serve people and better serve the environment and all those things. So I think it's been fun. Um and and that career path thing is is so interesting, right? Tim and I were actually talking yesterday about you can solve problems whether you're a nonprofit, a for-profit, a blend. Um, that sometimes doesn't even matter what you are. If you're committed to making the world a better place, and you're doing good business practices. If you happen to be a for-profit um, and making sure that you're building um, philanthropy into your systems. And it's so important to employees too, that they have something that they can be committed to and involved in. So I think the marketplace is really changing too, from when I joined 20 years ago um, to what it is today with B Corps and all these different, interesting, innovative models.
0: Well the diverse background none of you have the exact same background but all of you bring something to your charities that um would not on paper necessarily be the first choice um you know i'm in an industry where you major in something and go into that industry and i'm sure there's majors for charities and Mm -hmm. and uh, organizations of this nature um and yet all of you found your way in your career at a certain point it seems like a light bulb went off and you realized this is what you your mission is
1: yeah and i tell people that all the time a lot of my friends you know we're at that point in our life we're having our little midlife crises um and they keep coming to me and saying that they want to work in the philanthropic sector and they don't know how to break in and i think it's very true you don't have to have a background in nonprofits. you have to have a passion and bringing those professional skills into the nonprofit sector is great. Um, and I always when I get resumes for positions, you know, I definitely take those candidates as seriously as somebody that maybe has had twenty plus years in the nonprofit sector. I think having diverse voices, which is one of the things boards bring also to the table is really important.
0: Well, I think that I think the diversity of background mm-hmm. uh, is 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 what I've observed with the people that you've brought in so far, their their backgrounds. Um, serve what the organization needs. And then they have adjusted and learned skills along the way. Something that maybe we wouldn't have seen if we were in regular corporate jobs. Right. It just seems like you need to have a level of agility and every one of the people we spoke with had this level of agility where they just could go with the flow.
1: Yeah, that's so true when you work in the nonprofit field because you wear many hats. No matter what the size of the organization is, we're always under-resourced, so you always have to be willing to do all the things. Um, the executive directors at Family Promise in the field are really jacks of all trades. You know, they're case-managing families in crisis. They're having to manage their budget, right? They're small business owners. Um, you know, when the water main breaks, they're cleaning up the flood. You know, they're doing everything. They have to have the skills to present in the community about their organization and woo donors. Um, so yeah, having that agility is is key.
0: And I think that I've seen that with you. You know, even as as this show has begun, and you know, you just you went with the flow and shaped it, and it's been very organic. And I and I thank you for that. It's for been making a lot our fun. yeah, I just thank you for that. Now, you know, as as part of what I had noted, I'm uh, I'm still on vacation brain, um, and we you just came off of vacation as well. Um, we must have been. Um, sharing thoughts remotely about this idea of how vacation and giving yourself permission to take a break actually makes you better at your job and you had a very interesting anecdote and some observations and i pulled some statistics to back them up why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what you've learned about taking a little bit of a break
1: i think it's critical to rejuvenate and you know especially working in the nonprofit field A lot of us are exposed to trauma in our jobs on a day-to-day basis, and you need to step away to spend time with your family, to have that self-care. A lot of the coaching we do at Family Promise with people in the field is to talk about that. The case managers and executive directors have to take time away. And, And that means board members can't be calling them at two in the afternoon on their day off, which happens a lot. So we coach board members that way too. And at our national office with our team, we are really regimented about that. When somebody's on PTO, they're not to be checking email. They're not to be calling. You know, like that time is sacred. You really need that time away. I struggle with that. I was in Africa a couple of years back, and I was like, "Oh, you won't be able to reach me because I'll be out in the bush. Like I'll be so far removed." But every time we got to a lodge, even though they were campsites, there was Wi-Fi, so I was checking my email. That's just not. It's not good for the people that work for you because they need a break from you, too. You know, so I've I've had to learn to detox. But the story I was sharing with you is um, I was at a conference in Texas a few weeks ago with a lot of very entrepreneurial startup nonprofits. It was such a great community to be part of. And a couple of them are really struggling. These, these dynamic executive directors that were the founders have set policies that five or or eight years into the organization's operations, when you're a staff member, you have to take um, a sabbatical. And so theirs were coming up this summer. Um, One was taking eight weeks and their nonprofit paid into it. Another one was taking six weeks um, and they were really struggling with how they were going to step away for that long. But they recognized they needed to do that for their own self, for their families, for the benefit of the organization. And also so that the staff saw that they were doing it so they would feel permitted to do it when it was their turn. Um, So I really commended them for that. But I also felt the sympathy that when you're really passionate about the work, it's hard to step away for that long. But I'd be curious to see what your statistics say.
0: Yeah, I think the statistics uh, showed an extreme um, benefit to it. So let me pull up um, some uh, statistics I'll have to start
1: using them in my powerpoints (laughs) yeah you
0: are you can take these um uh there was one statistic uh that was around specifically about foreign experiences you talked about um traveling to africa i i did a staycation um although i i do prefer to get out uh i'm going to read two quotes for you from uh, a professor at the columbia business school who noted uh, that foreign experiences increase both cognitive flexibility and depth and integrativeness of thought and further adds the ability to make deep connections between disparate forms so that's a that's a word salad but it comes together in the second part of the quote and the quote is the key critical process is multicultural engagement immersion an adaptation i think that's an important word someone who lives abroad and doesn't engage with the local culture will likely get less of a creative boost than someone who travels abroad and really engages in the local environment now as i read this one of the things i think about is i do a staycation i'm comfortable i don't that that's a different type of getaway i don't i don't have to think much about it when you are traveling when you went to africa when i've been to europe you're on alert you know, and you're also observing things that you haven't observed. That is, you, you know, if you're walking to the train in New York and you just walk past it hundreds of times, it's just yeah. you stop not no, no, noticing the architecture. But when you go to a different city, especially a foreign city where they speak a different language, you are on on alert, and that forces your brain to stop thinking about family promise or whatever else that you're working on because there's there's a lot going on, and it says that that actually increases the elasticity of your brain your adaptability goes up and when you get back to the office you are truly refreshed because you had to stop thinking about work because it was a totally different environment that you had to survive in i thought that was i thought that was amazingly insightful what are your thoughts
1: i 100 agree um i've always pulled my kids out of school for trips because i think it does the same thing for kids it really changes their perception of the world. Um, And I just think you can see the actual growth in your children when you travel with them. So I imagine, you know, our brains are a little more set as adults, but something similar, I'm sure, happens with adults. Um, And then you come back and you have a totally different perspective on things. Um, I 100 percent agree. I think that's beautiful.
0: Yeah. And when you get out and you begin to move, you also exercise. So I I actually spent quite a lot of time uh, this break. Um, exercising, and you know, I, I, you know, I need to get into shape. I'm never there's never enough time when I'm working, and I found this very interesting study uh, in a journal, and they were using this concept of an A U um, T, and a lot of us have probably done it in workshops, and and it's this idea that you take a familiar object, and your A U um, T is I forget what it alternate use. Uh, this alternate use test um, and forces you to think about the different ways that you can use a mundane and familiar object. And they they base it off of three, uh, four things. One is fluency, all the different things you can think of, originality, flexibility, the types of ways, and then uh, elaboration. So you're, you're supposed to do this in a group, not by yourself so the point of this was when they told one cohort to be sedentary and just stay there and sit in a room um, and not take a break and they had another cohort who went out exercised walked they found that the walking group um, increased uh their creativity by 81 percent wow 81 that's that's not like a trivial amount yeah. and then there were other factors Um, so it was getting away, even if it's a mini vacation from a brainstorm or a workshop, right? You ever go into what we call a war room? Yeah. You leave the war room, but in days where you're like, Oh my God, we can't leave the war room. Well, it turns out that you must leave the war room in order to have, um, improved creativity. What are your, what were your thoughts on that initial stat there?
1: I'm thinking I better pivot because we have a full staff retreat coming up. which I'm so excited about to have everybody together in person, finally, after a couple of years. Um, And my peer in the organization, we're breaking down into some department meetings during that, she says she's gonna have a walking meeting. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get a room in in the hotel, and we're gonna sit together in these round tables, and we're gonna brainstorm, and now I'm thinking, maybe I should have a walking meeting.
0: Yeah, isn't um, it? It's amazing, isn't it?
1: Some of my staff do that remotely. They will, uh, our regional directors, they have similar, the similar position. They just have different parts of the country. Um, and they will they will do walking meetings together over the phone and talk about like, I'm, I'm having this challenge. How have you solved it in your region? Um, so I know my staff have already adopted that. Maybe I need to too. <laughs> well,
0: and and forced breaks, right? Like yeah. mini vacations from even if you do have them at the round table, you must force a break. Even if people are like, oh no, no, this is we're we're no, you gotta force a break, just like you had noted. Um, and I think one of the things that I also thought um, for my own personal research as I'm going on my journey and trying to exercise more, I'm gonna find something here that was very, very interesting. Um, two great thinkers uh, in history uh, noted that the daily walk was exceptionally important to them. Um, Albert Einstein uh, oh, yeah. insisted, right? that he had a daily walk. yeah, um, and he tried he to
1: take a nap too.
0: he He forced a nap and yep. a walk, for yes. so both of them, yep, yeah. Um, two things that I've done exceptionally well <laughs> on my vacation. Einstein didn't have Netflix, but if he did, he would probably have also said, you know, finish the entire uh, season of Ozark, which I did. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's an achievement. I could have got my master's degree or watched Ozark. <laughs> so I watched Ozark. Um, so he would do 45 minutes. And then interesting, interesting to note, and then I'll pause for a second for your reaction. Um, he he liked to walk and talk. Um, but Aristotle, uh, the great philosopher, also noted uh, that walking was essential. And he only had walking meetings. And you'll see a lot of um illustrations of uh, aristotle's teachings with his students where they are physically moving and they he felt that the there were three things that were inextricably linked and they were thinking walking talking and i just thought that's a really interesting observation that remains today what what are your thoughts as you hear about einstein and aristotle
1: yeah i love it i mean personally i'm I know for me, I have to exercise every day. I exercise one to two hours every day. It's usually the first thing I do in the morning before I go to work. Um, I just, my day is off if I don't do that. Um, And I love to walk. It doesn't have to be some power workout or lifting some crazy amount of weights or anything. I really think there's a lot of benefits to walking. I thought it was cool to see during COVID people were out doing that more. I don't see it as much lately, but yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, it makes you think about our education system and how kids sit in chairs all day. Um, My kids went to a charter school through eighth grade, and a lot of what they would do is take the kids out of the classroom. Um, They had an environmental focus, and so the kids would be outside for class as much as possible. And they'd walk down to a park or they'd go to a farm, you know. They often didn't take buses on field trips. They'd walk a couple miles to something that, that was interesting to see. So, I, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I just haven't done well with my team about walking meetings. I'm going to make that a priority.
0: I had a manager uh, when I worked at a, at a small marketing agency who believed if there was particularly a, um, a conflict. And, you know, marketing agencies, you know, high intensity, um, especially around pitch season, he would take us as a team and make us walk together around this extremely long block in Montclair, New Jersey. And it was
1: um, good. good. By
0: the time we got back, people had settled down, but also potentially had resolved issues. So it was good for uh, conflict resolution Resolution, as well.
1: That's really interesting and um i know my affiliates do a lot of that work with families maybe sheltering together that sometimes don't get along or a family is going through a really traumatic thing and then so naturally you're not going to get along with everybody maybe the case managers um so they do a lot of conflict resolution so i don't know that we've explored that kind of opportunity that's really interesting
0: it is interesting and and it's who knows what it will mean and sometimes it'll be tangible sometimes it will be intangible but Um, It seems like something that is worth trying. Um, It's working for me, it's working for you. I don't have quite the discipline that you have with the exercise, Um, uh, but certainly I feel better after the end of this week. I've been, it's been, it's been a concerted effort. Yeah, it's been a concerted effort. I have to remind myself, get away from the computer. I mean, as in my bio, I know I build websites, component content systems. I launched a series of NFTs. That's a heck of a lot of time in front of a computer yeah. screen.
1: Yeah, yeah, you got to get out and see the beauty in the world, too.
0: I agree 100%. And speaking of beauty in the world, Sandy, I'm going to unveil to you and to anybody who's watching this video uh, our rebranding. Awesome. Um, which will um, show you the direction that we are going. Our website, uh, for a long time, has been focused by... Um, see there you go um that's our new logo
1: i love it that's so cool
0: yep so uh this i really
1: love that
0: thank you so um matt balo who is our chief technology officer um led the effort to get a new logo designed and then uh what you know interpretations for use as you can see you know top left corner there that's i going to be with a black background. The probably right corner where my mouse is, uh, you can see that the three forms a heart. Uh, and we focus on C3, 501C3, cool. and then look up. Yeah. It's very clean. It's very modern. Um, we are in the process now Ooh. of dimensionalizing our uh, brand guide. Nice. Uh, and then our website will follow behind that.
1: That's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I saw the heart right away. And I agree. It's clean. It communicates what you do pretty quickly um, and what your positioning is. Um, and it's modern. I love it. That's Thank really cool. you.
0: Yeah. So for those you are going to
1: have a brand guide.
0: Yeah, we're <laughs> going to have a brand guide. And for those uh, just it's listening great. on audio, the uh, the materials will be on the on the website. So um, going forward. Uh, we will start to share that out a little bit more, change the avatar on, on our Twitter account, the whole works. Great. Now, speaking of Twitter, I certainly have noticed increased activity from you from, uh, from the early days where in the first episode, uh, uh, you actually couldn't even remember your Twitter account. But so you're you my now social like... media
1: person at work was ready to kill me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're doing great now. I, I am so excited and impressed. What what was the adjustment that you made? What are you doing now? Well,
1: I think it's a lot of what you were talking about. It's getting up and out of like the regular routine. I've had the opportunity to go to a lot of events, some of them virtual, a lot of them in person, and that just inspires you. I love hearing little snippets from people that confirm things that I believe, and then I like to share that or new things that I learn. Um, so I think that's a lot of what I've been posting is quotes from other people um, that I've been coming across. But yeah, it's getting up and getting out of my comfort zone really has been what's inspired me.
0: The The basic principle, and I'll use Twitter because it's, it is the, the dominant platform. The basic principle that is really important to note is never before in the history of humankind have we all been able to get on the same exact platform at the same time at zero cost and share ideas. And, and you know, there, there's um, everything from presidents uh, to celebrities, to sports stars, to just thinkers. And this is huge. We all have the exact same shared platform and it's free. Yeah. Um, so it's easy to sit out uh, and hard to be consistent. At the same time, it is an opportunity that I don't want to look back on uh, when my grandchildren say, you know, oh, wow, you were there at the birth of Twitter. What were you doing? (laughs) You know, and I I don't want to be saying, well, nothing. You know, (laughs) I wasn't sure if it was going to take off or not. You know, you you don't have to like it or not, but it can be argued that the last two presidencies were won and lost on Twitter. You don't have to like the presidents, but they were one, I think, say that Twitter was an extremely important platform.
1: Yeah, we talked about some of this at the conference I was at in Texas. That, um, you know, it's like the 80 20 thing 20% of the people are controlling 80% of the conversation. So, and a lot of people sit out because they don't want to offend anybody. And, you know, whatever position you take on anything, I think you're right, it's so critical that we all share because I, I personally believe at the end of the day, most of us see things very similarly. Um, you know, in terms of morality and ethics and values, um and really want the world to be a better place. Maybe we have different ideas about how to go about it. And I think it's important that everybody's sharing their point of view because otherwise there's just a few people really controlling the conversation. So I've been trying to take that to heart as well and share my point of view as well, more
0: <laughs> well, and trust in the media is 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 uh, has you know constantly gone up and down. But as one as a I majored in journalism, I started off. As a newspaper reporter. Oh
1: wow! I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so as we as we as we see that that industry has changed dramatically. Cool, uh, that is so much more of news is generated by unpaid journalists who wow. are doing it for passion. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's better journalism, but the I think yeah. important aspect of it is um, number one um, when it comes to. Uh, elected leaders. um, You actually hear directly from them. And sometimes it counters how they were quoted. They'll say, well, actually what I really said was this. Second is, you know, what you're doing um, at Family Promise um, will not make the New York Times in general unless something egregiously bad happens. Um, So the way to communicate with people who are interested in what you're doing, one of those platforms is Twitter. You can't do a newsletter every day. You wouldn't have the energy for that but you can share a quick link so that people can jump to it and i think that utilizing this platform for what it is which is keeping in touch with your cohort and listening to others yeah. um, is an essential tool in the business world
1: yeah yeah T- actually tim and i were talking about this yesterday and that we we're talking about um flourishing and how a lot of the work we do at family promise is specific to the individual family like every family that comes to us has different needs different combination of needs and it also has to derive from that because everybody's happiness is going to be different and what excites them and what skills they bring to community is different and we were saying you know like our children have such amazing opportunities to do whatever they want now that all these side gigs like i couldn't imagine that when i was coming out of college because I, my first time I had an email was at my first job, like, these, these avenues didn't exist. And now with things like Twitter and Facebook, you can, you can roll up a a company overnight and start marketing it without having, unfortunately, maybe for you to go to a a big firm and spend lots of advertising money. So it's such an interesting new world where everybody can really explore their personal passions and talents. And I think it's really cool. It's disruptive, right? It's changed a lot of industries. But it's cool and it's great for nonprofits because we don't need necessarily a united way anymore to talk to potential donors we can we can reach those donors directly now which i think is so compelling
0: and your donors can give you feedback as well you know uh the the few times where we've seen tweets and retweets of people who liked an episode of the podcast uh or you know something else that i'm working on gives you some signals Maybe it's not the only signal but yeah. it gives you some signals and that's an important aspect of uh where we're going in the future that and and that brings us to the end and um a nice catch up with you i think uh we're going to go back to some guests uh in the coming episodes we'll we'll tap into your vast network are you <laughs> excited for that
1: i am i am and i met a lot of cool people down in texas that i think would be great guests so yeah
0: Oh, I'm sure. Listen, between your existing network and your always growing <laughs> network, I, there I feel like there's no limit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll have some more fun.
0: We will. And um, speaking of um, where can they find you on social media?
1: I think my Twitter handle is at Sandra Minuti. <laughs> I think I got that down now. Um, I'm pretty busy on LinkedIn, too. Um, and Family Promises at familypromise.org.
0: Uh, incidentally, I, I'm, I'm, I'm linked with you on LinkedIn and and I think what you've been doing is great on Twitter. You, you are sharing information and using that platform, but then on LinkedIn, I saw some real engagement and some photos and it looks like you're, you know, you're revving up attention there. So well done on both
1: platforms. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And uh, let me see, where the heck am I? I uh, You can always find me uh, <laughs> at Buddy Scalera everywhere. So my website is Buddy Scalera. My Twitter is Buddy Scalera uh, and all of those different platforms. Um, and you can also find me and this podcast at the 501c3lookup.org website. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed the 501 Companion Podcast and consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, show ideas, or are part of a charitable organization that wants to be on the show, visit the 501c3lookup.org website. You'll find our contact information, a complete list of our previous episodes, and of course, the extensive and free resources of the 501c3lookup.org website. Thank you for joining us on the 501 Companion Podcast. We hope you join us again next week for the information and inspiration to take your charitable mission to the next level.